going to preach a word, but I've asked a dear friend of mine, Trigger, if he would come and share a testimony. In fact, Trigger texted me and said, Pastor Philip, I'd love just to share the testimony of our experience of tithing and what God has done in our lives. And he said, would that be okay? And I said, sure, when can you do it? And he works nights and shifts work. And he took off his job today to be here to minister to us. And, and he said, what service do you want me at? And I said, which one surprised me? He said, how about both? So he's going to stay and share it for both services. So I appreciate that. So come on, his trigger. He's going to share his testimony of him and Mary and their family. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, church. Uh, my testimony period is enormous. Uh, Mary and I have been married 15 and a half years. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's deep. The Lord specifically spoke to me and instructed me to speak this morning on finances and tithing, how I came to tithing and what the Lord has accomplished by me tithing and the work he has done in my home. Um, Twelve and a half years, com- we compiled an enormous amount of debt. And in that debt was the same that our pastor preaches on, that comes into homes and lives from that stress, confusion, strife. Uh, it's, it's, it was hard. It was very difficult. At 12 and a half years, the rubber, uh, the tire just fell off the truck on that point. Um, we started a restructured repayment plan on our debt. Uh, a few months later, Pastor Philip and I had a casual lunch as we always did from time to time whenever I was home or back in town. I traveled a lot all over the country, and uh, that was my job. You know, specialty welder is always gone. And on that particular day, uh, the pastor approached me about tithing, and I'm not sure if he wanted to at that point because he knew the situation. He knew exactly the weight and the debt that I was dealing with at that time. But I know that he was instructed by God to have that conversation with me, and I am forever thankful that my pastor submitted to the instruction that God gave him and handed to me because it changed my life. It changed the course and the direction of my total household, and it's also changed the course of the generation coming up behind me. Because my son tithes. He has been tithing for two years. And that's, that's very unique. Um, what's even more unique is, you know, when Pastor Philip came to me, that's as humble as any man has ever talked to me. 
more unique. I've been in churches, many different ones in 24 years, and he is the first pastor that ever sat down one-on-one with me and discussed tithing. He is the only one. And it has changed our lives. How much? It's awesome. Um, First and foremost, I don't travel anymore. I've been at home for almost two and a half years. The Lord has created areas of opportunity. I strictly work for myself now. Do not travel. I'm at home every day with my family. Uh, 70% of our total unsecured debt has been paid back in full. On secured debt, we've been able to pay off both of our vehicles and continue driving them. My truck has 277,000 miles on it and has not been in the repair shop all year. One-time burdensome debt was actually flipped and turned into net asset. We hold the titles now. And I'm just thankful that the Lord uh, continues to let them run. It's, It's amazing. It's awesome. Uh, 277,000 miles on a Chevrolet with the original engine and transmission is pretty much unheard of these days. It's, it's fantastic. And, but the most important thing that I would bring is the mental aspect. When I came to the table and started tithing, I died to myself. That's when the Lord could step in and come in and change me mentally and start teaching me, educating me in the manner that he would have my thought process, how he would have me manage my relationship with my wife, my son, my household, because my way didn't work. If it would have worked, uh, I wouldn't be up here giving a testimony. Everything would have just clicked all the time. And it changed my life, changed my marriage. Uh, My wife is my best friend, as she should be. And um, if you're going to get tangled up into the battle that we got tangled up with in debt, very important to have a best friend. Um, God had given me all the tools that I needed. They were already provided for me. The Holy Spirit was there to guide me, rebuilt my relationship with my wife, which is my best friend, standing right beside me all the way. And also, most importantly, I had to become educated. I had to become trained on how to manage and how to run a household. And where did I get that? From my pastor that educates me and trains me every Sunday through his messages. It's worked well. Um, It's just been blessed. It's awesome. And at this time, I'm going to give it back to my dear brother so we can listen to his message. Come on, come on, come on. 70% of all the debt, and God has changed. And like he says, you know, I I get to be, I I get to see behind the scenes a lot. You see people's masks in church. I get to see what's really going on behind a lot of people because people come in and talk. And I can tell you right now, Trigger and Mary's marriage was probably weeks away from being over. And they were both done. It wasn't one or they were both done. And God has done such a work through him just surrendering and saying, because it was a pride issue really with Trigger, like it is with all of us. You know, I can do it and I can make it work. I'll work harder and I'll do this. But when we surrender that pride and we say, God, I can't do anything without you, 
It's then that God supernaturally can come into your home and turn around circumstances and situations. And I had lunch with Trigger just three weeks ago, and he said to me, Pastor Philip, we have never been in a better position financially than we've ever been before. Mary was just able to, to quit her job about a month ago. She's not working anymore. I mean, God has blessed them supernaturally. And Trigger's words, the only thing I can accredit it to is I gave to God. And we give to God. And God has given back to us. And I thank God for that. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about thanks bringing. But we're going to talk about stewardship. Say with me stewardship today. Stewardship. I'm trying to bring this series to a conclusion today. But with the thought of conclusion, it's not the end for your life. But it's a new beginning. A new start for your life when it comes to bringing to God, giving to God, and releasing that which God has blessed every one of us with. And that's why we're going to talk today about stewardship, because I want to define that for you today. A lot of people, if you were to ask them about stewardship, what would that mean when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your wealth? Most people would say, well, it's mine. God's given it to me. I've earned it. I've worked hard for it. So it's mine. And I'm going to take control of it. You know, I'm going to be the one that's going to be over it. But the reality is that is not what stewardship means. Here's the definition of stewardship for you. Look at this. It's a person who manages another's property or finances. Stewardship is what? That you manage and take care of something that's not yours in the first place, but it's something that is another's. And in our lives and in our case as children of God, it's not just someone else's, it's God's. Come on now. It's God. So we are managing and taking care of what God has entrusted in our lives. So stewardship is so important because God wants to bless your life. Come on, God wants to bless your home. God wants to bless your family. God wants to bless your future. How do I know this? Because God is a rewarder. Hebrews 11, look at this, Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. Starts with relationship. Come on, help me out in the house. Has to start with relationship. Relationship with God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is what? A rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Man, that's some shouting words right there. Come on. God says, I'm a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Come on, seeking His presence in our lives, seeking His will, seeking His way in our lives. Not just when we feel like it, but diligently doing so daily. So in other words, God rewards our good works and God rewards our stewardship. He rewards stewardship. How many remembers when you were a kid and you went to a summer camp or some kind of camp situation and on the last day they said, oh, by the way, everyone, we're going to have an awards day today and we're going to be giving out prizes for the best camper, the best student, the best athlete, whatever it may have been. And your thinking goes like this, man, if only I'd have known they were giving out prizes. Come on, anyone been like that? If I'd have known they were giving out prizes, I would have tried a little bit harder. Come on, anyone else like me in the house? 
If, if only I'd have known, I would have kind of acted a little bit differently. I wouldn't have cut up so much. I'd have paid attention just a little bit more. Come on. If I'd have known they were given. Why? Because the knowledge of the reward changed my thinking. Stay with me. The knowledge of the reward changed my thinking because my input would have been different because of the knowledge of the reward. I want you to see something today. You've got to know that God is a rewarder, but it requires the proper input. We can't just decide at the end of the month, well, God, I'm just going to pray, and God, you're going to take care of everything because I just prayed. Come on, stewardship is living every day. Come on, it's living every day. A position, a life, a lifestyle that will create the rewards of blessing that God wants to give in our lives. In the Bible, in Matthew chapter 6, it's a great chapter, the whole chapter of Matthew 6. Read it for yourself. Jesus talks about when you give. He talks about when you pray. He talks about when you fast along with other great things. But I want to jump in at Matthew 6 verse 4. And really, I want to read the end of this verse, but we'll read the whole verse. It says that your charitable deed, Matthew 6, 3 says, but when you give, he's talking about giving to people. He says that your gift or your charitable deed may be in secret. Notice this, though. Here's what I want you to see, because it's the same with giving. It's the same with prayer and it's the same with fasting. God says your father who sees in secret will himself reward who? You, me. Come on, say that, me. God's going to reward me. He will reward me openly. Do you see that? Here's what I want you to see in that verse. A God who sees in secret. God sees the unseen things. God sees the decisions that many other people in your life don't see, but the important decisions that you see. And the wrong ones that you make, come on, the unseen things that are maybe many times not publicly known, they're not things you get the praise for, but I want you to think about the unseen things as doing the right thing. That God sees those who do the right thing, come on, that's stewardship. God sees those that do the right things, He sees that in private, but what does He do with His reward? He rewards openly. Do you see this today? There is open rewards that God wants to give our lives. We see this again in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 8. It says, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to what? His own Labor. I'm not reaping the reward of someone else. God says you're reaping the reward of your own life. The unseen decisions, the choices and the situations that are presented to you every day. God says as you become a steward with those, that you handle them properly and correctly, God says, guess what? You're going to receive reward for that type of labor. Come on, the Bible tells me, therefore, from that scripture, I receive merit from what I do. My stewardship. What am I doing with what God has entrusted into my care? Not what anyone else has. It's easy for us to say, I can't believe they've done that. It's easy for us to judge someone else and say, man, I can't believe they wasted on that or did this. Listen, God says, what have you done? 
What are you doing with that which has been given to you? And one thing we'll discover, as Kayla said earlier, yes, there's rewards that we're laying up for heaven. But it's not just rewards of heaven. God says there's rewards right here on this earth, right now, that He wants to give to every one of us too. Turn with me today to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to read quite a number of verses from this passage today so we can get the whole story. We're going to start in verse 14. We're going to read to verse 30. It's called the parable of the talents. A talent was about $1,000 in today's money. So think about that. A talent was about $1,000 equivalent of our money today. For the kingdom of heaven, verse 14, is like a man traveling to a far country who called his servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two and to another one, to each according to his own ability. Hold on to that thought. We're going to come back to that. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went away and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, verse 19, the Lord of those servants came and settled the accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and he brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. And his Lord said to him, well done. Good and faithful servant, you were faithful over few things. I will make you what? Ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Joy through stewardship. Verse 22. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. And look, I have gained two more talents beside them. And his Lord said to him, well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over what? A few things, I will make you ruler over what? Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there it is. What is yours? But the Lord answered and said unto him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at least at my coming I would have received interest with my own money. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance, but from, one him, but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Let me stop there. Hold on. Keep that up there. Verse 29. For to everyone who has, more will be given to him. And to everyone and has abundance, but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. God's not speaking about the fact that there's some who have more and some who have less. He's talking about stewardship of what we do with what we have. So understand that, okay? He's talking about stewardship with where we're at, okay? That it will result in either us getting more or even what we do have will be taken from us. Verse 30, and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness that there may be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Look at verse 15 one more time. Jesus said these words, and to one he gave five talents, to another two and to another one. You see, the problem is, keep that scripture up there, we have made it about the amount that was given and that was never 
the intent of the story. It's not the amount that we possess. You see, because when it becomes the amount we have, we compare ourselves with others. So when we don't have a lot, we say, well, I guess God could never use me because I don't have all of that. See that? But then also there's the flip side of it. Those who have a lot can then look down on those who do not have a lot and say, wow, look at me. I'm so much better. I'm so much grander than them because I have more. Listen, it's not the amount that you have, but what is the next part? But each according to his ability, they were given according to what they could handle. Okay, God is not going to give us more than we can handle. And listen to me, handle correctly. Because God cannot bless waste and stupidity. So the story here is not about the five, the two, the one. The story is that each one was given something according to their ability and they were required to be a good steward with that which was given to them. We've got to watch our attitude here. Because if we start comparing ourselves and say, well, I've got a nicer house, I've got a nicer car, I've got nicer clothes, I'm better off, I've got a better job. If we start saying, well, God's blessing must be upon me because I have all of that. I'm telling you right now, that's an attitude that God will not reward. God doesn't like that. Neither does he like an attitude that says, I have nothing, I'm a failure, I'm a mistake. That's not the type of attitudes that God wants to reward. God wants to reward a steward's heart, a steward's attitude. Listen, if we would only focus and take stock of our own lives, instead of judging and questioning and looking at everyone else and getting upset for what's happening in their lives and not happening in ours, if we would stop focusing on everyone else our lives would be a different place. Because again, it's not how much they had that Jesus is trying to show them, but what they did with that which was given. God will never give His miraculous power to a poor steward. If you don't hear anything else today, that's something that you should go home with. God will never give His miraculous power to a poor steward, but instead... The little they have will even be taken away. It's what he says in his word. The one who had one will take it from him. He's unprofitable. He he doesn't deserve that. God cannot give his miraculous power to someone and even what we have will be taken. You've got to see this today. Poor stewards lose resources. Good stewards receive more. Poor stewardship loses resources. Trigger had a great job. He was making great money. But the more money he was making, the more further in debt they were getting. Come on. A poor steward, no matter how much is coming in and how much was given, if he's not a steward with that, guess what? He's going to lose his resources. But a good steward will always get more. That's a simple concept there. Stewardship, as we see from this parable, is not a destination. Come on, it's not, well, I've arrived. I'm getting... Stewardship is arriving every day. Stewardship is making the decisions that are going to take us in the right direction. Stewardship is doing the right things to get us where we need to be. Not arriving and then saying, I'm here. It's that which gets us into those places. You may say today, well, I've never had a good job. Be a good steward and be faithful where you're at so God can promote you into other things and give you those things. God can bless your life. 
It's not when I get to this level or get to that. Stewardship is right now, right where you're at. It's required of you right now with whether you've got great wealth or whether you've got no wealth or wherever you find yourself in between. God still requires you to have stewardship. Some of you today, there's nothing more that Satan wants for your life than for you to look at the little that you have, which is not enough in the world's eyes. And you convince yourself, what's the point of these kind of messages? I mean, what's the point of tithing? What's the point of being a good steward? Because I have nothing anyway. You see, in the world's eyes, the world says you have nothing. But in God's eyes, he says you have a seed. Last time I checked, they don't have seeds about this size. Come on now. They don't have seeds the size of footballs and basketballs. In fact, a seed is something many times it's so small that you can hold it in your fingers or you can put it in a pocket and you can almost not find it again because it's hidden just within the little creases of your pocket because it is so small. So you may say, well, I don't have enough. That's what Satan wants you to see where God says you have enough to be a seed. And from that seed can come blessing. So wherever we are, we've got to get this. Why? Because if we fail to comprehend that it is being faithful with the little that leads to being entrusted with more. Do you see that? We fail to realize and comprehend that it's being faithful with the little that will enable us to be entrusted with more. Most of us have no problem saying something like this. Well, when I get that pay rise or when I get that money for my inheritance, then I'll give to God. I've heard that said many times. That, you know, I can't give right now, but when I get that, then I'm going to give to God. Why is that? Why can we say when I get that windfall and when I get that promotion, why can we say then that I'll give? I believe there's two reasons. Number one, it's not a reality. It's easy to promise something that you don't have. Come on, come on, do I have anyone in the house? It's easy to say, you know, uh, and, and promise something. Oh yeah, yeah, when you've got that need, come and see me and I'll give some money. It's so easy to promise something that isn't a reality, but it's another thing when someone's knocking on the door and say, ready to pay up? Oh, oh, oh uh, 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 uh. it's like a trapeze artist. Anyone can get up and fly on those things. I think you're crazy to do it, but it's one thing when there's a safety net underneath. Come on, if you fall, you're going to bounce and everything's going to be okay, but it's another story when the net's let down. And if you fall, it's not good. And it's not the fall you need to worry about, it's the sudden stop, you know what I'm saying? But it's so easy, isn't it, just to say it's... And here's the second reason why I think it's easy to promise on something we don't have. Because when we turn around and say, when I have more, we're going to be able to think to ourselves, well, there's going to be plenty left over for me. So when it's not a reality, it's easy to promise. But when it's the thought of, I'll double my salary, wow, that means there's twice as much money left over for me. Isn't it amazing how we can promise with those thoughts? But I want to tell you today what the heart of a steward looks like. Here's the heart of a steward. The heart of a steward says, with what I have right now. I'm going to honor God with it. Small, great, in between, not enough, more than enough. Wherever you find yourself today, I'm telling you that with God, it's always enough. But with what I have right now, I'm going to honor God with it. Not one day, not someday, not maybe, but right now. Even with the parables of the talents that we just read, you must understand and see something else. It wasn't just about material wealth. God has given us so many precious things in our lives. 
So many gifts, so many abilities, so many gifts that we need to treasure in our lives. Skills. He's given us prayer. What an incredible weapon. He's given us the ability to feel and have compassion on people. He's given us the strength to be able to help people. The power of help. Come on. He's given us the gospel to take to so many people. So therefore, God expects us to be good stewards, even with the people that he puts in our pathway to. Come on. God expects that from us. But let's look at us again, our stewardship. Where's our heart in all of this? Luke 16, verse 11, it says, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in what is unrighteous mammon, in the wealth of this world, in the money, with your money, if you have not been faithful in that, faithfulness has given God his portion first and he redeems the rest. He says, if you have not been faithful in that, the question is this. And it's not really a question, it's a statement. Who's going to give you? You will not receive true Riches, they will not be committed to your life. Because money is a test of each one of our hearts. A test of our stewardship. A test of our trustworthiness. I like what Robert Morris says in his book, The Blessed Life, that we've been handed out. He said this, sorry, I don't know, my spell check must have changed that. It's dickering to think about. It should be, it is sobering to think about. I apologize, I did it on my iPhone. Sorry, Tammy. And um, it changed it. It's sobering to think about, but every day God sees the purchases we make and the money that we give. It's a sobering thought to think that every day God sees every purchase that we make, but He also sees the money that we, each one of us, give. You see, the test is our handling of our money. The outcome of that test determines whether he can trust us with true riches or not. For each one of us, money is more than just a means for buying things. And Jesus spent a lot of teaching and a lot of time teaching on finance, on money, for a reason. Matthew 6, 21 shows us that God knows where our heart is. He'll know that because of where our treasure is. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If we turn around today and say, I have a heart for God, I love God, I want to serve God, I want to live for God, listen to me. Your checkbook and your bank statement should validate or refute that statement. Because if you've got a heart for God, your heart will be to give to God. Because your heart follows your treasure, that which is the most important thing in your life. And when God is your treasure, your heart will follow that. Throughout the entirety of God's word, you would see stewardship is not an afterthought of God. It's not, oh, by the way, it's an underlining truth or principle throughout the entirety of God's word. And I believe that God thinks about stewardship a lot more than we do, and how totally it is important to him, as it's his avenue of blessing into our lives. Look, from the beginning of time, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God said to Adam and Eve, he said, but he blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and every creeping thing. God says from the beginning of time, be a good steward with what I've given to you. Take care of it. Handle it right. Turn to the back of our Bibles and we go to Revelations chapter 22 and verse 12. And God says these words, And behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to every one according to his work. Notice from the beginning, that which was entrusted. In the end, he says, I'll give rewards 
for that what you have done with that which was entrusted into your life. And look in the middle of it all in Song of Solomon, verse one, chapter 1, verse 6. It says this, My sons were angry with me, the last part. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Paints a picture many times of our lives. We're busy looking after everyone else's and worrying about what's going on in their life. But at the expense of what? Not caring for our own. And what's been entrusted in our care and in our keeping. Look at this statement. We cannot help others if we first don't care for what God has given us. We cannot help other people if we don't take care of our own vineyard. We can't help people. Oh, we can maybe give to people. But we can't truly help people if we're not being a good steward with what God has given to every one of us. As much as a heart that Trigger has and Mary has to give when they were in a financial bind, they couldn't afford to give. But now as God has blessed them, they can afford to bless other people and they do bless other people. Why? Because now since they have taken care of that which God has given to them, now they have enough left over to be able to bless and take care of other people. Bad stewardship will always limit your ability to help others. And it also hinders your ability to be able to build the kingdom of God. Not to mention what it will do to your life. Bad stewardship is not God's fault. Bad stewardship is not God's fault. Let me make this clear. God is constant. Finances are not. Okay, see this today. God is constant. That means that he's always the same. Finances are not. One day you can have a promotion and you can have blessing and then the next month there can be not quite so much. Finances come and finances go. Whether you're rich, whether you're poor, it happens to everyone. It just seems to be the richer people. It's more drastic if they lose because they're losing millions where we're maybe just losing a couple of dollars here and there. But finances come and finances go. It's up or down. Every one of us understands that. But what do we do is we've got to remind ourselves that God is constant in it. And we've got to watch that we don't get stressed out by our finances and everything and sometimes even getting mad at God about it. And I know you have. You don't have to act like you don't. I know a lot of you have got mad at God and say, God, you know what? I've really tried to turn my life around. I've really tried to do this. And just this is not happening. God, why did you not come through for me? I've prayed really hard and nothing, 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 nothing has happened. If you are constantly saying words like that, then I believe that you need to have a self-evaluation. If you are praying and you're saying you're doing everything right, but God's not blessing you, we read that God's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. God rewards those who what are good stewards. Even with a little, God says, I will bless that and I can take that and make that. So if we're praying those prayers and we're seeing still a blank look, we're seeing nothing take place, the problem is not with God, the problem is with ourselves. The problem lays at our door. We need to evaluate the situation. One of the places we need to start is looking at our, the, the, our life and our work ethics because the Bible tells us very clearly, if you don't work, you don't eat. 
strong words. But what is Jesus saying is, I don't condone laziness. Come on. Jesus talks about that a lot in Proverbs. Come on. Good stewardship is not laziness and not working. I know some people can't work. I know there's disabilities. But even on disability, a lot of people can still do something. Come on, I know I'm running the risk of getting some people mad here today, but you can pray all you want. But if God has given you ability, remember it's the ability that God looks at. God looks at the ability. And if you're just digging a hole and burying it and doing nothing with it and just being lazy and not providing for your family, what good would God do to you to bless that? What else do we need to look at? We need to look at, okay, am I mishandling my money? Am I being silly with it? Am I making silly decisions? And then I'm blaming God for not providing for me. Look at this statement right here. God is not responsible for bills he does not initiate. God's not responsible. I just want to go out. Well, Pastor Philip's been talking about being blessed and I'm going to give my tithe, so I'm just going to go out and buy me a new car. Is that what God wants for your life? Because you may be looking back in two months from now and have to turn that car back because you can't pay it. And where's the blessing of God? I can't believe God didn't bless my life. And God said, I never wanted you to have that car. You didn't pray to me about it. You didn't ask. We didn't talk about it. You didn't seek the counsel of me. It was an unwise decision. Come on. You are the one who is responsible for your finances. God's not responsible for your finances. He placed you in a position of responsibility. You're the one that gets your paycheck every month. You're the one that chooses to do with that money what you choose to do. You are the one that is responsible for the decisions and the choices you make with that. The best stewardship decision that you can make first and foremost is to give to God. To bring to God. That's his tithe. That should be a given. We should have got past that by right now. We should understand that. So when I look at the money that I have, I look at the money I have left after I've given to God because that doesn't even figure into the equation of money that I have to be able to do something with. It's already God's taken care of off the top. So we'll think about it. Stewardship is that's the first decision we make. And I believe the second best decision we can make for stewardship is to get out of debt. To get out of debt. To be disciplined in our spending. To be bringing your spending under control. Listen to me. You cannot have more going out than what's coming in. You can close your eyes and you can turn around and say, well, I'm not going to open my bank statement. I'm not going to balance my checkbook. I'm not going to look at the receipt from the ATM. You can close your eyes to it all you want. But I'm telling you, it's simple arithmetic. You cannot have more going out than what's coming in and have anything left over. It doesn't work like that. Get the calculator out. Figure this stuff out. Evaluate what you can afford and what you can't afford. Come on, not what you think you can afford. A lot of thinking has got a lot of people in a lot of problems. And I'm not talking about the right kind of thinking. I'm talking about the blind thinker that says, oh, I think I can afford that. Look and check before you make that decision, before you make that plunge. Know that you can, because it may be only $30 more a month, but that's a whole lot over the course of a year. And if you're signing on a car, that's for another six years commitment. Think about these things. Figure it out for yourself. Figure out what you can live with and what you can live without. There's a lot of things that you think you can't live without that you can. Well, I'm just going to pay my tithes and God's going to... Listen, 
Stewardship. Turn to your neighbor and say, stewardship. God doesn't reward stupidity. Come on, we don't honor God when we're in debt. Come on, we don't honor God when the creditors are calling us and pastor can't even call us because we won't take his call because we're afraid we don't know the number. Come on, and it's someone who's calling us up. Come on, that's not honoring God. God wants to help us in our finances. We need God's counsel in our spending. We need to pray about it. I don't make any major decision or any major decision I make. I always pray about it. And most of the time, 99.9% of the time, I'll sleep on it too. If I'm going to buy a car, I don't just walk in and say, man, that sounds good. Let's do it. I turn around and say, me and my wife are going to go home. We're going to talk about it. We're going to pray about it. And we'll get back with you tomorrow. Oh, but, oh, but, no. hey, listen, if you give me a good deal today, it's going to be a good deal tomorrow. So if you give me the best deal, and they're afraid of you walking away. But I'm glad I've walked away many times because as I've prayed about it and sought God over it, God said, that's not the avenue I want you to go through. That's not what I want you to do. Come on, step away, sleep on it, don't commit. They say that a high percentage of the, per- of the purchases we make are impulse. Why do you think when you go to Walmart now, you can hardly make it down the aisles because they've got all the pallets and everything in the middle of all the aisles now? Have you noticed that? That you've got to have the registers now. It's like you're in an aisle now. It's not like you're just at a register. There's more stuff on the racks around the registers now than what most grocery stores have. Everything that you need. So you're standing there waiting and like, oh, I I think I need that. And I think I need that. How many of you have ever gone to Walmart or a grocery store and come out with just what you went in there to buy? Doesn't happen. And don't ever go to the grocery store when you're hungry. Stewardship. Eat a cookie before you go. Fill yourself up so you won't spend it on the wrong, wrong stuff. But it's amazing how much of just praying about it, seeking godly counsel, just sleeping on it, will eliminate so many impulsive decisions. But don't just pray, then make a stupid decision and expect money to magically appear because that ain't going to happen, sweetheart. It's not going to happen. That's bad stewardship and God cannot endorse that with blessing. Some of you are still not trying to get what I'm saying. Let me use this example. If you've got $500 left and you've got 10 days of the month to go, you wake up and you say, I want a new grill. And you go out and you buy this new grill for $300, leaving you $200 for 10 days. You've still got to buy groceries. You've still got bills. You know there's not enough, but yeah, I need that grill. When God doesn't come through for you, that's not the judgment of God. When God doesn't come through for you and, God, I haven't got enough left, that's not the judgment of God. That's just basic, simple arithmetic. You see, because simple subtraction would make that purchase a bad decision, come on, with certain consequences. There was going to be consequences. I wouldn't be able to get my groceries. If I can't get my groceries, then I can't do this. So I'm just going to charge it and then what? It's going to be, I'm going to bounce checks and then what? The consequences are going to be certain because of the bad choice and the decision I've made. God is not the one punishing us when we're experiencing those types of financial lack. We're the, actually the ones who are punishing ourselves. Come on, listen to me today. I'm loving you enough to tell you the truth. Well, God didn't come through for me and God's mad. That's not the judgment of God. It's simple math. 
And if you don't know how to do math, there's calculators that can help you with that. And they're really cheap. You can buy them from the dollar store. That means they're only one dollar. Dollar Tree, not Dollar General, because they'll charge you three bucks. Go to Dollar Tree and it's only one dollar. But what I'm saying is we can look at all these things and we can say, well, God's just punishing me and it's just the punishment of God. No, 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 no. You're punishing yourself because of your lack of wisdom and making the wrong decisions, being a bad steward. You are bringing that reward upon yourself. What right do we have to blame God for that? Look at the statement. The point is that God frequently gets blamed for our self-inflicted wounds. God cannot give you more if you won't control or get under control and be a good steward with what you already have. To do would only feed the monster. And you know what happens when you feed a monster? It gets bigger. You have a bigger monster that you're going to have to feed and a bigger monster that you're going to have to feed. God cannot bless stupidity and hope that something is going to change without having discipline or action towards it. When it comes to getting out of debt, you know the problem we have is not the big items many times, it's the little items. Because when they're big items, if I want to go and buy something, say I want to go and buy a pair of Jordans, what Jordans now are about 150 bucks for a pair of shoes now, most of the time. It used to be like $20, $30 for some shoes and now that's like 150 bucks. They're on sale for 139 Woohoo! let me buy two pairs. But when I'm going to that kind of deal, I don't have so many problems with that because a lot of the times I can realize, man, 150 bucks is a lot of money. I, I don't think I'm going to go there. But you know the problems we have with the $1 Cokes that we buy every day? Because we think nothing about just going and making the small purchases because they don't hurt us. But I'm telling you right now, the small purchases probably hurt you more than the big purchases. There's an old saying out there, you take care of your cents, the dollars will take care of themselves. You think about a dollar a day just on a Coke because I'm going to stop at the gas station or $2 a day, that's $14 a week. That's $28 every two weeks. That's what, $46 a month? You add that up over the course of a year and just one Coke a day is a house note over your course of a year. And you may say, well, okay, a house note, I get that. That's six months of maybe your utilities just from one Coke a day. You see, it's the small things that we've got to watch as well as the big. Many times the big things are okay because we say, man, I can't afford those shoes. But I sure can afford that coffee and I can afford this and I can afford that. I'm telling you right now, be a good steward. Most of the people who come to us and say, I have no money, when we sit down and look and Mr. Dan goes over, there's smo- so many of those little small things that add up to very big things over the course of that year. That if we can just eliminate those things. Oh, but I need that Coke every day. Hey, go to the store and buy a two litre. You get a two litre for about a buck. And a two litre can do you for like four days. Ice is free when you make it at home. Cups are free if they're in your cupboard. You don't have to pay for a styrofoam cup. It's free when you buy one. If you don't have one, invest in one. Pay 10 bucks for a cup. You would, you're going you're to pay for itself within a week. Start making sound decisions because God won't bless stupidity. Look where you're at right now and ask yourself, what am I really doing with what I have? God has given me according to my ability. So that means I can handle where I'm at if I choose to do so. But I've got to make the choice to do that. 
Because handling where I'm at right now determines where I'm going to be in the future. Determines whether I'm going to receive his blessing or not. And I know this sounds harsh today, but the truth hurts. And the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. This is to help you today. This is to promote your life. This is to promote you into a place of blessing. You need to get out of debt. You need to quit spending. You need to take control of that. Because either you'll open up the floodgates and the windows of heaven that we read of in Malachi 3. God says, I'll open up the windows as we tithe and give to God. Or, guess what? My decisions can slam the blessing of God shut in my life, withholding the true riches that God wants to send my way. Remember, the true riches is God's supernatural ability in my life. The true riches is God's supernatural power. His super on my natural. Me doing, being a good steward paying my tithes. God supernaturally blesses that and the sky's the limits of what God can do. Come on, practicing good stewardship is simply saying, I can't afford that. Simple stewardship is saying, I don't need that right now. If you don't have the cash to buy it, don't charge it. Simple stewardship is saying, I need to cut back some things. Simple stewardship is saying, I need to pay off my debt. I need to get some kind of counseling. I need to get some help. It's having accountability in my spending. But simple stewardship first has to start with realizing it's all his. And I must give God his first portion. You know how many headaches, fights, struggles, sleepless nights and other health problems associated with financial stress we would solve through just making the right decisions? Some of you need to downsize. You're not the Joneses. Anyone here called the Joneses? We've got to keep up with the Joneses. Who are they anyway? I'd love to see them. Love to meet them. You're not the Joneses. It's okay. Just because someone else gets a bigger car. Guess what? My grandfather always said this. A bigger car does not mean a greater finances. It just means a bigger payment. It's a bigger debt. The bigger the car, the bigger the debt. Be thankful with what you have. Come on, cut back, budget, do plastic surgery. And I'm not talking about lifting and tucking. I'm talking about cutting up those credit cards. You can live without Starbucks. Yes, I did say you can live without Starbucks. Come on, you can live without fast food every day. Do the old-fashioned way. Buy a loaf of bread and a pack of ham and pack yourself a lunch every day. Come on, look at ways that you can provide for yourself. You know what, if I'm looking at my life and saying, you know what, I hardly have anything that I can give to God. I'm looking at my life saying, what can I eliminate from my life so I can make sure that I can give God his portion so he can give me the rest. And if that means eating a bologna sandwich for the next month, praise God. It's only for a season in my life because I'm coming through this time. But if I refuse, guess what, I'm going to live in that place. And that place is where God's blessing will not be upon my life. There may be some sacrifice, there may be some cutting back, but it's for what? It's to be a good steward with what God has given me so I can get my debts under control. Come on, you can live without a gym membership. Come on, just walk, just park at the end of the parking lot and walk to Walmart. Some of you ladies, you'll walk 20 miles a week. (laughs) Know how many times you go to Walmart? Look at that. When you're walking to your car with your grocery bags, just lift them up and down. It's a gym membership for free. Come on, it's called Be Wise. Come on, you can live without Netflix. Oh, but it's only $5, only $6 a month. It's what over the course of a year? It's what over this? It's what over... It's the little things that we've got to watch. 
You can live with the TV you have. It may just be a 40 inch and you want your 60 inch. But here's what I'm telling you. If you want a bigger TV, just move your couch up a little bit closer. It will work just the same. The TV gets bigger the closer you get. We can laugh about all these things, but you know what? I'm giving you practical Christianity today. God's blessed me, so I'm just going to go out and get a TV. No, God's blessed you so you can pay off the credit card debt that you already have. And then when you want a TV, you can pay it cash because you'll have enough money left over. Come on, stewardship is not just giving to God and expecting Him to bless the mess. Come on, stewardship. We know that God wants to, as we tithe, as we give to God, what is the promise? He'll redeem the rest. But giving to God doesn't just take care of our mess. We've got to be a good steward with what we have. Come on, it's through stewardship that His blessing will come. As we close these series, for now anyway, because we're going to be back to it, I want you to make sure that you've heard what I've said and what God's desire is for you. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you and God's blessing may come through sacrifice. You may have to cut that. You're responsible for what you have. Don't live outside of your means and expect God to bless that. God won't. God's given to each one according to his ability. And when we handle that, then we can have more ability and more ability and more ability. You all, I hope, believe that today, that God wants to bless you. God didn't wake up today and say, I want to mess their life up. God didn't wake up today and say, I'm going to curse them today. I'm going to do them harm. That's not the God that we serve. But yet still many struggle to accept the fact that God desires to bless your life. Why? Because of the bad stewardship you've convinced yourself it's the judgment of God. It's not God's judgment. One last scripture today, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you always will have all sufficiency in all things that you may have an abundance for every good work. Don't you love that? That God will let all grace abound towards you, that you will always have all sufficiency in all things, that you will have an abundance for every good work. God's abundance is available for what? Your good works. But abundance is only possible when we are good stewards of the things and the abilities that God has given us right here, right now. And all of this, remember this, we don't give to get. We get because we give. The motive of my heart is not just given to get, but as I get, I know I'll, I'll receive. Come on. I'll get because I give. And there's a big difference. Be a good steward right where you're at right now with everything God has entrusted into your care. And it's never too late to start. Some of you may have a little bit more catch up to do, but that's okay. Make the right decisions, the proper decisions to turn your life around. Why? Because when you're a steward, it's positioning yourself for the blessing of God. Right now, if I had a spout and I had a cup, and if the spout, here's the spout. If there's water running out of the bottom of this microphone, that's the spout. What happens if I remove the cup? Nothing's going to go into the cup. Is the blessing still there? Is the flow still there? Yes. Is God still the rewarder? You better believe it. But it's only when I position myself under God and under what he has called me to do that I'll see the blessing of God. Oh, I can move myself a little bit and I can get the half blessings. I can get a couple of splashes and a drip here and there. 
But God says, I'm a rewarder. That means he wants to fill your cup to overflowing. That there will be so much blessing in your life and joy that your marriage will be like it's never been before. That you'll see results in your life that you've never seen before. Why? Because God is a blesser. Stewardship positions your life under the flow of God, under the blessing of God, so he can promote you and bless you with those things. Amen. Stand to your feet with me this morning. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.